VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 670, recorded on December 5th, 70th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 503rd episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast which is its own game news from around the industry and a gaming flashback. Yep, and I am back from PAX Unplugged. And good? Uh, a few things. The funny thing is that this time I didn't really actually do any demos of any new games. I did just a few... Um, board games at the open play. <laughs> I came in second in the first round of the Seven Wonders tournament, and that's about it. Basically, I, I spent all my money on the last day, which is something that is a trap on conventions. You know, sometimes you just buy all the expensive stuff on the last day, and the, the most expensive thing I bought actually was a $75 mug. It was a mug. <laughs> what was the mug of? Was it, a, it was a metal, it was a metal, a huge metal mug that that is made so that it's actually, you know, whenever the light strikes it, it's kind of rainbowy. And it's it's a huge mug. I would say I could fill four cans of Coke in it. That's how big it is. That's awesome. Yeah. And it is really solid. I could kill somebody with by knocking on their head. It is a heavy metal mug. Um, it's much bigger than the one that you helped me get way back when. <laughs> when was that actually? 2014, 2015? I know it was your first E3. That was E3 2018. Oh, okay. I still have that mug, by the way. So <laughs> Arguably the last good one. 2019 was okay, but it wasn't as good as 2018. Well, 2018 was when, Fallout, uh, when Bethesda still cared. <laughs> yep. That was when they did the Bethesda land, and that was really cool. I still have those figurines, by the way. No, actually, I think the figurines for earlier. I did meet uh, some of the uh, developers there, the guys at uh, Cyanide and Happiness. I met the guys who were two guys who were Hollywood uh, crew members who were doing their own game, which is hilarious, in which you have to invent the title of a movie and then get pitches from movie uh, movie executives. It's hilarious. Um. Some of them actually had a romance between uh, 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 Dwayne The Rock Johnson and, and Jessica Tandy. So, <laughs> anyways, um, so there's that. Um, as for what I've been playing, um, it's funny. I, I said this last week that uh, Citizen Sleeper's probably going to be my shit, and so far it is. I've only played 44 minutes of it, but it opens exactly the same way as Disco Elysium opens. Almost the exact same way, just slightly different circumstances. Hmm. You're in a, you're sleeping or in a coma or whatever, and you, there's just a lot of dialogue against black t- uh, black screen, and you're trying to force yourself back to consciousness, that sort of thing. So I know that the people who made uh, this game, uh, Citizen Sleeper, they they are fans of uh, Disco Elysium. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember you talking about Citizen Sleeper pretty recently. It's if it. Is, Last week. 
<laughs> have you played uh have you played both uh citizen sleeper and disco elysium i played a lot of disco elysium i never qu- i never finished it it just it was just too much for me and I, it takes a lot to be too much for me do you think uh citizen sleeper feels better it's okay so it's more of a game in a way uh than disco elysium disco elysium is heavy heavy on the uh, adventure game this one um depending on how you feel or well-rested, or uninjured, and stuff like that, you have dice rolled for you. And the better you are, the higher the value of the dice. And what happens is you take those dice and use them for different actions, because those will be your actions for the day. Uh, once you run out of dice, if you don't have any plot-critical things to do, you just go back to bed. So it's very it's very much of a ticking time bomb sort of thing. And the higher the value of the dice, more likely you're going to have a great accomplishment if you use a one, it's sort of like 50% normal, 50% really bad. And you um, have the same sort of uh, uh, stats that you would have in Disco Elysium, like intuition, logic, that sort of thing. Except it's more of a cyberpunk thing. Hmm. So far, I'm enjoying it. It'll, it'll be interesting. Oh, wait, I uh, saw so one of the achievements says the bad end. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. But actually... It's not. Oh, it's not. It's not the ending though. It's just finding somebody. But I thought maybe that was. Oh yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure there are multiple endings to this thing. There has to be. There are three classes you can choose. Um, I chose the one with more intuition. Um, they get they get a penalty on doing something like uh, uh like uh. See another one you could do is uh, to a mechanic, you know, and they're able to do more physical things. Mine does not does not do well in physical things. They get a they get a penalty, and when you um when you level up, you can level up things like see what the actual results of of a bad dice and a good dice will be, you know that sort of thing. So I'm only 44 minutes into it. I'm enjoying it, and uh, I'll probably finish this one. Nice. And like I said, it was the Game Awards that that, that it said. Did you know that Citizen Sleeper is nominated for a Game Award and it's on Game Pass? By the way, I also pre-installed Monster Hunter Rise on Game Pass. So um, I, w- I will give Monster Hunter a chance for a second time. If the controls bother you in the previous games, I think you might enjoy Rise a little bit better. It's it, it's more streamlined and intuitive, in my opinion. It's not It doesn't solve all the issues, but it's better, in my opinion. Okay. So what have you been playing, TJ? I've been playing some... I've been trying to, like, get through some last year stuff, some end year stuff. I uh, I played all the way through Callisto Protocol. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> so the combat sucks. We know. <laughs> no, it sucks big you, time. No, not if you approach it with a. Okay, so first off, I don't think I would consider Callisto Protocol a horror game. It's it's too actiony and too like linear, well, linear, no, too, and it's linear though. It's extremely linear. Sort of, yeah. It's it's as linear as Dead Space. I mean, the fact of the matter is it. So I was playing on PS5 on performance mode, which seems to be the best way to play because I didn't run into a lot of the 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 performance issues. The PC is just a bad time for that game right now. Yeah, and I've heard that Xbox isn't faring too much better. But, but um, uh, I will say this though: uh, the PC version, when it's on max everything, it is absolutely one of the most gorgeous games you'll ever see. Yeah, it's a very uh it's a very visceral and atmospheric game. But um 
I didn't run into any performance issues besides a little bit of stuttering about 75% of the way through. It's about an 11 hour game. Um, I like the combat and here's why (laughs) I started treating it like a fighting game where like I, I combo enemies with like different variety. You have so many tools at your disposal. Yeah. But it's the same thing over and over and over again though. You have a, you have a melee weapon. You have uh, several different guns. You have uh, a gravity arm, uh, and then you have uh, parry and a few different other abilities that you can unlock in the skill tree. So I would like, if I ran into like multiple enemies at once, I would grab one with the gravity arm, throw it into the other guy, knock them both down, wail on the first guy, and then like after a combo, you can do a snapshot with the with the gun. That like targets. Well, that's really the only way you can you can fight them with a gun is you have to do those combos then shoot. Nah, you can do you can totally wail on them with a shotgun. Uh, Um, but like, and then I would like finish that one off, grab the other grab the other one with the gravity arm, throw them against a wall, and just get to work. It was. I don't think (laughs) like. I know a lot of people have been frustrated because when you're up against multiple enemies, they uh, it can get overwhelming. But it feels like they wait their turn sometimes. Uh, here's the thing. If you're really into it, that's fine. But most people find the, the combat boring and repetitive. Eh. It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. Even with even when they start getting doing the Resident Evil thing with the tentacles. It's only really the same thing over and over again if you do the same thing over and over again. And I mean, like, I I varied up my stuff but, enough that I was having a fun, like, destroying dudes. All but there's over, no all there's over. no motivation to change what you're doing if, if what you're doing works. See, that's the problem. Yeah, because you get better tools eventually. But it's the God of War. Uh, why use the, those tools when just just the base weapon is enough to wreck people? Because there's a because even on the base gun, there's an upgrade that you don't get until you have like late game money that uh fires an expl like a shot. It's the hand cannon, which is like a the magnum pistol. If you upgrade it to the full thing, you fire you can fire an alternate fire shot that explodes on impact, and that thing is super fun. <laughs> There's other upgrades on other guns that are like that too, where it's like if you can get to the end tier. Even with the melee attack, there's like a skill tree for the melee where uh, if you if you get to the end of it, there's some pretty fun stuff at the end. Did you enjoy the Order 1886? Uh, no. Okay. But but I just think that like as far as this game goes, I don't think it's perfect in any way, shape, or form. However, I did have enough of a good time to power through to the end. And uh, the only thing that really really pissed me off is that. Yeah, the main boss is, is an idiot. <laughs> is badly designed. Uh, it is badly designed. Stop it. You can't. You can't. Havesies. Um, the only thing that makes the last boss really fucking annoying is that he has uh, exploding minions around him that chase you down in intermittent waves. Anyways, um, I also it, it was fine. It was fine for what it was, and uh, the only thing that really pissed me off was that the auto save it has auto save and manual save. But the autosave and manual save only attach to checkpoints and not where you are, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of having a manual save. It just takes you back to the last checkpoint that you played. No matter what you've done, no matter what – like, you can save at any time, but it takes you back to the last checkpoint and everything that comes with it. And that kind of sucks. Um, 
Anyways, Actually, Halo the uh, same. Halo is the same way, you know. Yeah, but I hate that because you have to craft a bunch of stuff in the game, and it can be time consuming. And having to do that, bef- like doing that after you hit a checkpoint, just makes dying a time consuming process. But um, that's not all I played. I also started uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. Oh yeah, um, there's a story about how uh, they rushed to make a playable build for this kid who was dying of uh, glioblastoma, and uh, he died last year, but he finally got to uh, play the game, and if you play the game, you might find a tree that says um, his name, uh, Tyler W. was here, or something like that. Yeah, so for Axis Games, uh, makers of uh, XCOM... They did a pretty good. Uh, they did a pretty good uh, Marvel game, and I like the fact that it's not focusing on like the main heroes. I mean, you still got like Iron Man and and Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange in there, but I like that we finally have a Marvel game that like puts characters like Magic and Blade and uh, and uh, Ghost Rider up front. That's kind. Do I have of- to remind you who Firaxis is. <laughs> of course, they're I gonna. Mean, they're gonna. Of course, they're they're gonna make a game that's well thought out. It's in their yeah. blood. <laughs> yeah, and they use the like they use the character as well too. Like one thing I wasn't expecting out of it, it's a it's a card battler. It's like a deck building uh, strategy game where characters have like you can move the characters oh. around the battlefield, but they have like attack and uh, support and off and like defense cards that you play to make them do moves, like uh, like. Iron Man will have like a a, a a pulsar blast card or Doctor Strange will have a card that makes him that I have Agamemnon where he'll make everybody else's cards do more damage. And that is not something I expected to see, but it works and it works pretty dang well so far. Um, I haven't gotten too far into that one, but I am pretty happy with what I've seen so far. How about you, Scott? What have you applied? I've been playing uh, SteamWorld Dig 2. Really? <laughs> yeah. I haven't played that in years, actually. <laughs> I, I, I've i had it on my library for a while, so I thought I'd start it up and see what it was like. And yeah, it's, well, it's, a, it's, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a nice uh, 2D side-scrolling Metroidvania, but it also kind of has an air of Dig Dug because you're mining down into... More like Boulder Dash, really. Which one? Boulder Dash. DoorDash? Balderdash. You never heard of Balderdash? It's no, a classic I don't think game. So, no. It's so um, you're digging through the through the earth, uh, mining out gems and other stuff to upgrade your gear and get you know uh, more uh, uh, upgrades, power ups, and uh, yeah, you're that's Balderdash. <laughs> well, you're also uh, headhunting, I guess. Yeah. Uh, this other robot that's gone rogue right. and trying to find him, Rusty. Yeah, and it's the kind of game in which uh, you have to find a certain thing that'll give you a certain ability that'll make you allow you to yeah. go to the next level, or not yeah. the next level, but next area. Yeah, um, and it, it, it's charming so far. Yeah. I, I like the music and the, the graphics are very nice because I, I like pixel graphics, so that's always my favorite kind. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, a, it's an enjoyable, charming game, and you know I've played a little bit so far, and I like it. Yeah, I actually played uh, st- uh, st- oh god, my brain is Steam World Dig uh, too. I don't remember if I played it before or after Spelunky. I think I played it after Spelunky, mm. but it's been out for a while. But yeah, it's a really fun game, um, and it's 
what I like about it is that it, it's it there's a lot of complex stuff to it, but the but it's good enough at teaching you what you have to do that it doesn't seem complex. Right. Because yeah. at some point you have to get a certain thing that'll do a certain thing, but you learn how to do other things, and then when you start doing the new thing, it's like, this is new, you don't have to learn that much more, and this is what it'll do for you. Oh, and it'll help you do this or that. It'll help you dig through this kind of rock, or it'll help you jump higher, it'll allow you to shoot a thing out, to, to grapple stuff. You know, it is right. it is deceptively simple, but it's, it's a very complex game. I got hung up at one point because um, there was this thing you had to requ- acquire, but you had to do all these other things. And it was like, oh dear, I have to do all these things, and that's that's difficult. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna do. Yeah, take so, a lot of planning to get some of this stuff. Yeah, but yeah, it's a classic game. Um, and you said you had it in your what well, was it part of a uh, humble bundle thing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. I think I got mine as an Xbox Live Gold freebie. Now that Xbox Live Gold, well, previous gen don't exist anymore. No, it's just two games that are for Xbox One slash XSX. Anyways, um, we're going to move on to the next item. TJ, go with the gaming flashback. Our gaming flashback this week is Mark of the Ninja. Mark of the Ninja is a side-scrolling action stealth video game developed by Clay Entertainment and published by Microsoft Studios. It was announced on February 28th, 2012, and released later for the Xbox 360 via Xbox Live Arcade on September 7th, 2012. The game was later released on Microsoft Windows, Xbox One, PS4, Nintendo Switch, Microsoft, all right, sorry, uh, Mac OS, and Linux. Uh, the game follows the story of a nameless ninja in the present day and features a conflict between ancient ninja tradition and modern technology. Cutscenes for the game are rendered in a Saturday morning cartoon animation style. Mark of the Ninja consists of, consists of stealth-oriented 2D platforming. Uh, a char- the character is required to sneak through a series of environments while staying out of sight of guards and performing silent assassinations. Levels are divided into areas of light and darkness, and the player is visible to enemies in the former and invisible in the latter, though passing within certain immediate distance of an enemy's face results in the player being spotted ir- irrespective of lighting. Sounds such as running may also give the give away the player character's location and are represented visually by a rapidly expanding circle. Also, dogs can smell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unusual for a platformer, Mark of Nin- the Ninja employs a, sight, a line of sight mechanic, meaning the enemies that would be invisible to the character are also invisible to the player, though their sound are rep- though their sounds are represented on screen in the same manner as the player characters. Before each mission, player, the player is taken to an upgrade screen where they can spend their honor in three sections. Techniques, which feature passive upgrades and skills such as new one-hit executions. Distraction items, such as smoke bombs and firecrackers. And attack items, such as caltraps and poison-tipped darts. The next screen allows the player to select any unlocked costumes and equip items. Each costume, except the starting one, gives special bonuses, but also a side effect in order to balance its power. It must be unlocked by completing a number of seals in the form of optional goals related to the specialty of that costume. For instance, optionally terrorizing enemies in specific ways to unlock a costume unlocks a costume which improves the ability to terrorize. The game received a critical acclaim from re- reviewers, 
aggregate scores for the game hold in the 90% range on the website Metacritic, and it's received eight perfect scores from media outlets. Reviewers praised the game's uh, visual and audio atmosphere, strong gameplay, and new take on stealth video game genre. While criticizing minor gameplay frustrations such as the control scheme and difficult puzzles. I'm going to say this right now. If you like stealth games, get this game. Don't even wait. Just get it now because this is one of the best looks, games to ever employ that's ever employed a stealth mechanic. It looks really good. I like the art style and uh, you know stealth can be fun too. So this does look like a really good game. What the copy does not mention is that um, my gameplay style was ghosting the entire level. I would try to move through the entire level without killing anybody, without ever being detected. And it does reward you for that. And the suit that you get um, when you get enough of that kind of stealth gameplay, uh, you get a a suit which increases the number of stuff that you can hold, but you cannot use a sword at all. You cannot kill anybody directly. (laughs) And it reduces, and it also removes the uh, sound from you running. Yeah, um, I always liked the, I always liked uh, Mark of the Ninja. It was Clay Entertainment with that particular style of 2D animation and sprites is so fun to watch and fun to play as well. Like when you unlock those executions, they are brutal and fun. And <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, but we all know that you're a huge fan of the Shank games. So. Yes. I was actually going to say that if you don't like doing stealth, you should play, you should play the the much louder version of Mark and the Ninja, which is Shank. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can you go loud? I can't. I don't think I've ever done a, a loud run in uh, Mark of the Ninja where I just threw caution to the wind and fought everything that came. You can't because what happens is that not only do you get massive penalties for alerting people. Uh, basically, when you want to terrorize someone, you do it silently and then just leave their body hanging there for everybody to find. <laughs> in gruesome ways like being spiked against the wall or hanging from their feet or stuff like that but yeah. uh attracting everybody not only lowers your score but it also makes the uh, the mission almost impossible to make because here's the thing you may be a ninja but you're not immune to bullets <laughs> so yeah like mark of the ninja fantastic stealth game if you want something louder where you don't have to be so careful shank is the way to go yeah and Clay Entertainment has basically always sent out winners. I mean, they did the Don't Starve games, Griftlands, Oxygen Not Included, Invisible Ink, Hot Lava. I don't think they've had one stinker at all. They did one of my favorite uh, strat. They did one of my favorite strategy games, which is Deceive Ink. Oh, oh right. Hold on. No, that's is, that the, is that the right one? No, you think of Invisible Ink. Invisible Ink. They also did the Eats games, and they did N Plus. Banger after banger. Like, that's impressive. Uh, their next game is called Rotwood. There's no information about it. It has no release date yet. But yeah, I mean, uh, okay, here's the thing. Um, I'm not especially fond of Don't Starve, but I know a lot of people love that game. Mm-hmm. It, it was really one of, it was one of, like, the biggest survival games of its time, when in a time when we didn't have, like, a massive amount of them filling up the scene. Well, Don't Starve came out in 2013, and then you had Don't Starve Together, which came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten they were behind N+. Yep. They did a lot. They've done a lot of good stuff. I still haven't played Shank. Um, I know I've seen the gameplay. At some point, I will. I think it's backwards compatible, too. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, Mark of the Ninja, good stuff. And I, I'll tell you something. Um, 
I played it a few months ago, and it has not aged one iota. This is one of those games which is probably going to be timeless. It, it has... For one thing, it goes with a cel-shaded look, so it's not like you're worrying about, you know, fidelity and graphics and stuff like that. Although, one nice thing about uh, Clay Entertainment, every time they make a remastered version of their game, they always release it for free for the people who purchased the original version. So anybody who owned Mark of the Ninja got the next-gen version for free. Um, but it, it, the gameplay is still tight. It's still, it still compares with anything that's been released lately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they ever release a Mark of the Ninja 2, I'll be right there. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Oh. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Smash Bros. tournament organizer Panda boots out boss following fan allegations. This is from Eurogamer. Panda, the esports organization at the center of a high-profile row between Super Smash Brothers fans and Nintendo has ditched its controversial CEO following complaints about his behavior. In a statement issued this morning via Twitter, Panda confirmed it had heard of the concerns of Smash community and booted out its boss, Alan Bunny. The company will now work with an outside advisor to form a temporary interim management committee as players quit the company's events in their dozens. And follows a week of bad press for Bunny and his company as it emerged Nintendo was shutting down a fan-run Smash Brothers tournament and continued to partner with Panda. Last week, fans behind the popular Smash World Tournament Championships issued a lengthy statement on the situation alleged that they stood to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars due to Nintendo's last-minute decision that they could no longer operate Smash Brothers events. The Smash World Tournament Championships organizer, organizer, organiz, organizers accused Panda and Bunny in particular of activity attempting to sabotage his attempts to run its tour, ruin its tour, run its tour or ruin its tour? Its attempts to run its tour. Yeah. Run its tour, okay. Telling individual events that fan-run tour was being shut down and forcing them to pick a side on the ongoing ongoing feud. Nintendo issued a lengthy statement in the drama last week, attempting to explain its decision not to support Smash Tour, a uh, Smash World Tour going forward due to the high standards we require when it comes to health and safety of our fans, rather than influence from Panda. The, that statement also noted, without naming names, that Nintendo expected organizations and partnered with to conduct themselves according to professional and organizational best practices, which could read as a warning for Panda itself to shape up. As the dust settled, the vast majority of high-profile Smash esports competitors resigned from playing at Panda events in protest. In earlier reports, that the event hubs estimated over 80% of Panda's sponsored players had quit. I love it when when fans call out Nintendo on their bullshit. What high standards? When have you ever cared about that? No, you just want to control everything, and they just walked out and said, fuck you, Nintendo, fuck you, Panda. Bye. Yeah, there's... <laughs> Nintendo has always been shoddy when it came to its eSports scene. But uh, this is... I liked Panda Global a lot. Before these allegations came. By the way, isn't it fun to have allegations on someone and being kicked out, not because they sexually harassed anybody, 
Isn't that a, isn't that a great breath of fresh air? We're not talking about him, you know, what's it called? Doing inappropriate things? No, this is just being a prick towards <laughs> towards uh, towards uh, fan conve- uh, competitions. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, like I said, I liked Panda Global a lot before these allegations came out. But the way the 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 description of what this guy was doing, basically strong arming people and telling them uh, it would be a shame if you lost your Nintendo license because you didn't sign up with us, it's like. That's some fucking mob ass wannabe mob bullshit. And like that guy quite possibly, if the allegations against him were true, which multiple people have corroborated the stories at this point, fucking shot Super Smash Brothers competition and like shot it, buried it. And right now the Super Smash Brothers uh, esports scene is in shambles. Because not only do they have the those tremendously offensive sexual harassment and uh, sexual misconduct allegations years ago that hit multiple top players, but now we've got this. And it was supposed to be a year where, like, we finally get Nintendo involved in some licensed tournament circuits. The way that Arc System Works has been doing with Arc Revo and the way that Capcom does with Capcom Cup. And now, like, the... 2023 looks suspect for this because <laughs> the the Smash World Tour its its finals were canceled and they and they're not going to have a commercial license for 2023. Panda Global canceled its uh, Panda Cup finals because uh, because of this clown and uh, and like it's disappointing on so many levels and it sucks for so many players that built their year's schedule around these two tournament circuits to have the rug just pulled out from under them by greed. But you know what's good is that they pulled the rugs themselves. They said, nope, sorry, we're not going to deal with this, and decided just to, you know, to make that sacrifice of sacrificing one, you know, tour because another one was was sabotaged, you know. So rather than just saying, oh, well, that sucks – and just doing the one, they said, you know what? No, nothing for anybody. Boom. We're, we're not going to have either. It just sucks because ni- Nintendo was naive with this, too. I've seen their statement, and basically they believe... Oh, that's they, not naive. Uh, naivete. No, come on. We know, we, well, I know, but we know Nintendo has shut down anything like um, because people said, you know, you have a shitty netcode. We're going to use our own netcode. No, shut it down. Let me get to the part that's naive. Okay. Nintendo, in their statement, said that they believed that uh, Panda Cup and Smash World Tour could coexist and there could be multiple tournament circuits. They largely didn't ever expect that one of them would sabotage the other. Or at least if they did, they they didn't share that in there. There's probably more going on than what's being told to us uh, on the part of Panda and Nintendo. But for Nintendo to expect that two competing circuits would just get along and and play nice in this space was like uncharacteristically odd of Nintendo to do. I mean, I could believe it if they kept their own schedules. I mean, you know, it's not like they have their, their, their championships on the same day. It's just really dickish on Panda's part. It's a real shame. And hope like, my concern about the guy that ste- the Dr. Allen guy that stepped down is that he 
has not necessarily left the company. He's still a majority owner of Panda Global. So like taking him out, taking him out of the CEO position is one thing, but like there's nothing to say he's not still there doing stuff behind the scenes and, and making suggestions because he still has majority over ownership. Yeah, I know, but Nintendo can be a dick towards him if he went out of line. I think hopefully Nintendo will be keeping an eye on this, you know, and realizing that, you know, you can't cut off your nose to spite your face, basically. Yeah. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how Smash Esports goes in 2023, because this has just thrown everything into disarray. You think it'll be at EVO? Uh, Not a chance. Really? Yeah, I don't know. You, I feel like Nintendo and Sony would have to shake hands on certain things that, that I don't think they'll shake hands on for Nintendo to be at Evo. Because remember, Sony and PlayStation own Evo now. Ooh, that's true. So I think that it's more complicated than it used to be. It would be a pleasant surprise. I just don't expect it. We'll see. I mean, here's the thing. If Smash Brothers is not a part of Evo, um, you'll see the same thing here. You know, I mean, other players will get pissed off because there is sort of a brotherhood with, uh, you know, esports players in terms of, you know, I, you may not play uh, Street Fighter, but if something bad happens with a Street Fighter tournament, you feel it. Yeah. And I mean, God bless Smash esports fans because. A lot of Smash esports right now has been grassroots building up of scene, uh, building up of their scenes and events, to the point where people actually argue that there's too many Smash Bros tournaments in the in the year. Yeah, because here's the thing, folks. Um, you know what? There's a great number of fans who do not play the new Smash games. They play the original and only want to play the original in tournaments. The very very original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's still a very much uh, I you, they either play ultimate or they play melee, which is widely considered to be the best version of the game. Anyways, we're gonna move on to the next item. Harmonics Rhythm Game Fuser goes offline in two weeks, and this comes from Eurogamer. Music mixing rhythm game Fuser will go offline on the 19th of December. Developer Harmonics has announced today. Existing owners of the game will be able to continue playing the game's campaign and quick play modes without with any previously purchased DLC after this date, though offline only. A blog post on Fuser's website announced the shutdown of live services last week and confirmed the game and its DLC will be withdrawn from sale. Meaning, uh, by the 19th, if you haven't bought the number of tracks you want, guess what? Shit sucks to be you. Uh, Fuser was released just two years ago in November 2020. It was Harmonix's final game before being acquired by Fort Make, uh, Fortnite maker Epic Games a year later. Harmonix, most famous for its Rock Band and Dance Central series, is now said to be developing musical journeys and gameplay for Fortnite, though it's unclear if any of these have been re- released thus far. Thank you for all your support and for all the amazing mixes over the years, Harmonix concluded. You know, I, I hated Fortnite, and now I despise Fortnite. Mm. And I really enjoy playing Fuser, by the way. So what are they doing next, then? They're going to be working for Fortnite. <laughs> That's all? They're just going to work it. on Fortnite? Stuff? Yeah, Epic, yeah just, work, just do work night, uh, Just do Fortnite. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, remember your, your complaint about Vicarious Visions? Now I can empathize. <laughs> yeah. That's a big bummer. And, you know, the thing is, I missed out on Rock Band 4. You know, I wasn't going to get the game. I, I, If I was going to get the game, I wanted the, you know, the instruments. And Rock Band 4 and his instruments just came and went like that. It just 
like blink and you miss it. So I haven't played Rock Band four. I played the first two Rock Bands, but not four. I never played Dance Central though. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Scott. Is yeah. this a game, or I mean, because I know some games that go offline, they try to preserve them. Um, but it doesn't seem like this one. So Fuser has an online component, you know, in which people can battle each other online. Right. And that will be turned off. There's still a campaign and there's still quick play modes, which are fun, which are really, really fun. And I, by the way, I've never played online, but uh, the fact that I won't be able to, after a certain point, I won't be able to purchase new tracks. Uh, that that's a bummer. So I have to look at the listings and see which which songs I really really want. Because here's the thing: they don't just take the tracks; they they divide it up into four parts, you know. And it is really fun. So uh, it's a shame that you know you're not going to have this. I think Activision had its own version, DJ Hero, but I never played that. Yeah, I enjoyed Fuser. I liked the idea of this this sort of like remix centric game where you just take different parts of various songs and put them together into your own into whatever you want to make. I thought it was a really creative and cool idea. And I even made a banger of a of a, a mix track with Fuser and I actually uh, posted it on uh, Facebook because I know that YouTube would demonetize it immediately or not demonetize it but just force me to mute part, parts of it. And, you know, it made me think, hey, I could be a DJ, a mixer, if I put enough effort into it. Because what I made was everybody, all the professionals I, I let listen to it, they loved it. So Fuser was that level of of good in that you could actually do something professionally with it. Yeah, it was very impressive how seamlessly they, they made, like, whatever you put together sound excellent. Yeah, um, I hope someone else comes up with it. See, that's always the part. Uh, the problem with a game like this is that it, re- it relies on licensed content. So once it goes away, you can't buy new licensed content. Well, I wonder, you know, if you if there are. I mean, I have it on PC. I wonder if I could uh, have, um, you know, uh, uh, stuff, you know, uh, mods that that add some songs. Because it's not impossible to make songs with a game. You just have to make sure that no one finds out that you're that there's licensing. Although it's the mod, you know, we'll see. But it's a bummer. Um, I would say try out Fuser. Uh, it was actually, I believe it was. I don't know if it was free. It was free for a short time on Epic Game Store. I know I got it for free. I think it's because it was a, a press account. But I always break it out every so often. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, that game is uh, gonna be missed. It was a very cool one. We're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, uh, TJ. Half-Life Blue Shift gets Black Mesa treatment from PC Games In. Black Mesa Blue Shift is a rebuild of the Barney Calhoun-based add-on game designed to look and play like the 2012 remake of the first-person shooter original. Three chapters have been released already, but a huge update is coming December 10th that will bring the next level, Captive Freight, as well as bug fixes and gameplay and visual improvements. Black Mesa Blue Shift revives what is arguably the best Half-Life expansion to date, dropping you in the boots of lab security guard Barney as he tries to survive the Resonance Cascade event parallel to Gordon Freeman. Nevertheless, the, that original Quake engine is starting to look a bit creaky, and the full remake brings a very welcome dose of smoothness and modernity to the classic shooter. 
Half-Life Alex just got a whole new campaign courtesy of fans and a visual overhaul of the first Half-Life that retains its core visuals, but with lots of HD improvements released last month. Meanwhile, Portal writer Eric Wolpaw says there are plenty of ideas brewing for a Portal 3. Yeah. But not a Half-Life 3. We can't have that. Did you, <laughs> jo- Jonah, did you see that they uh, that they released a mod that allows you to play all of uh, Half-Life 2 in VR? Uh, yeah, I saw that. Um, I'm hearing it's good. I'm hearing it's real good. I still haven't played Alex yet, damn it. <laughs> One step at a time. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... I reviewed Blue Shift back in the day in 2001. I gave it four out of five stars. And um, a lot of people just gave it like three stars or two stars. They didn't because it was short and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, Blue Shift had a lot of set pieces in it. You know, it was a short game, but it had a lot of set pieces. And, you know, it had a happy ending. Um, although I will say, you know, I'm still torn between Opposing Force and Blue Shift of which one is better. Uh, because Opposing Force adds a lot of backstory. You get there, there are certain parts of Black Mesa that you get to visit, like all these giant creature enclaves that show that the, the, the scientists had already known about the creatures of Zen and were ca- had captured them and had these uh, little uh, life pens in for them. Uh, so, did you play Blue Shift? Yeah, of course. I uh I liked it I liked it more than I liked playing the ori- the original Half-Life. Here's the problem though. Where the fuck is Adrian Shepard? <sighs> yeah. I I feel bad for Adrian Shepard. He was just locked away and he's never come back. Yeah. Yep. And uh on an official scale that will probably never happen because Valve hates threes. And um I don't know if they like Gearbox either. Yep. <laughs> oh god, I that reminds me, yeah. I know they don't like him because remember that that puzzle in um, oh no it wasn't no it wasn't I just remember uh, one of the puzzles in um, in Opposing Force had you dealing with a gearbox and a valve. This is very cool though. It's a good time to be a Half Life fan. There's a lot of cool mods coming out, revises, remasters. I haven't played Black Mesa. I played the demo way back, like almost eight years ago. I played the demo and really enjoyed it, but I haven't played the full Black Mesa yet. Mm-hmm. I hear good things about that. I've heard a lot of good things about the Half-Life 2 VR mod. I uh, I'm, I liked Blue Shift, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. We're going to move on to the next item. NVIDIA slashes GeForce RTX uh, 4090 and t- uh, 4080 prices in Europe. And this comes from Hot Hardware, which is a kind of an ironic name for a site considering the 4090s issues. <laughs> NVIDIA finds itself as the sole player in the next-gen GPU market with its GeForce RTX 20, uh, 4090 and G, G, uh, GeForce RTX 4080 graphics cards, and that will continue to be the case until AMD releases its Radeon cards next week. Interestingly, and perhaps not coincidentally, NVIDIA just lowered the prices of the both Ada Lovelace GPUs in Europe. Optimistically, we like to say this because of AMD's impending arrival onto the next-gen GPU battlefield. And maybe that actually played a role in NVIDIA's decision. A few weeks ago, 1080, uh, 4090 cables were actually melting. Oh, by the way, which AMD had a lot of fun uh, with. They posted that Twitter thing and saying, you know, of their own thing and saying, you know, make sure you're cool this Christmas or something to that effect. Just basically slapping NVIDIA in the face. More than likely, though, the uh, about 5% price cut on both GPUs it probably has more to do with inflation in Germany and its impact on the exchange rate of the euro. Whatever the case, though, both cards are now officially cheaper in Europe than at launch. NVIDIA reduced the MSRP of the GeForce RTX 
4090 Founders Edition model from, well, here's the thing. Euros and dollars are basically the same, so I'm just going to say $1,949 to $1,849, and the GeForce RTX 1080 Founders Edition from roughly $1,500 to $1,400. This is especially interesting in uh, regards to the GeForce RTX 4080, a GPO that hasn't been without controversy. It started with initial introduction of two models with different memory configs, uh, 16 and 12 gigabytes, and very different specifications. The backlash ultimately prompted NVIDIA to unlaunch the 12-gigabyte model, leaving the 16-gigabyte configuration as the only GeForce RTX 4080 SKU. Uh, the GeForce, uh, well, the 4080 uh, starts at 1,200 in the U.S. compared to the 1,600 for the 4090. As it turns out, scalpers here have a hard, tougher time moving these cards as they're only selling $100 above the MSRP. Yeah, uh, the other problem with these cards is that they suck. For the price that they are at, they don't give the bang that those prices are. You you're you're paying sixteen hundred dollars for a graphics card. You'd expect a little bit more than what can do. I mean, it can do some ray tracing, but it, I don't know. Paying sixteen hundred for a graphics card that's just a bit much. I don't care what it is. I don't care how powerful it is. Yeah, those prices gotta come come down. You're paying. You could buy three PlayStation Fives for for RTX 4090. Yeah. So, yeah. So TJ, we know you're plugged into the uh, to the to the cards these days. I mean, uh, our video editor at the site, like he he actually enjoys the 4090. He but like he he's a very niche type of market that this card might be for. Where like. He does a lot of work on video editing and 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 media design and content creation, and uh, and he needs something that pumps out a pumps out a good amount of uh, power. Yeah, but the problem with the card is that the graphics don't increase that much. It's not. It's it still chugs on a lot of games, yeah. which is shocking. And and to that I say it's it's more about the speed it brings to the processing power and like the ability to boot up things faster and move on things faster without so much loading for what he's told me. Um, I don't know. I haven't tested. I, my current laptop is rocking a 3070. Uh, I think let me see, make sure of that. Yeah. 3070. And, uh, I, I don't know. It's what I, it's all I really need. It works well enough to make things look pretty <laughs> and run and run most modern games. But, yeah, uh, that that forty ninety has always felt like, you know, like a little bit like future proofing. But I think that there is nothing really right now that you need something that powerful for. But even so, you know, I the forty ninety is going to age badly. They need to make a better version of the forty ninety at some point. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not going to age well, regardless of price. I mean, it's if it can. Burn a hole through your <laughs> like it'll, it'll <laughs> burning a hole through your computer case, then that is a very notable flaw. Yeah, what's funny with me is I always get an, an AMD Ryzen um, uh, motherboard, but I always go for the uh, for the NVIDIA cards, the graphic cards. Yeah, I've never trusted the Radeons. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, NVIDIA's. Uh, I I agree. I'm more in I'm more in the NVIDIA camp when it comes to GPUs. It just feels like and Radeon is in a new chapter of their creation, but like I still don't feel like they haven't figured they haven't worked out as far as PCUs go. But uh, GPUs, I think Nvidia is the better 
Um, one other thing that's not on the notes, uh, but it's a pretty minor news. Uh, Microsoft has announced that it's going to jump uh, from sixty to seventy dollars for their next gen games uh, coming starting twenty twenty three, which isn't a shocker, you know, Star Starfield and Redfall and all that stuff. But you know what makes it sting a lot less is the fact that Game Pass exists. And if they decide, you know, we're also going to raise Game Pass uh, like one dollar a month, that's fine with me. I don't care. That's yeah. Not, it's not. That's not going to break me. So that, and it, the thing is that PlayStation still does not do first party first day on the place uh, uh, for their PlayStation Plus, which makes the seventy dollar hit you know hit that harder because you, you're unless you want to wait a year, you're going to be hitting the wallet. I, yeah. I don't know what what Sony's issue is. They always seem to be a dollar short and day too late kind of thing and. They're, I just I don't know. They they do things until they see something's making money. That's the entire reason they started releasing Steam, uh, games on Steam because they saw Microsoft was making money. And there's a different mindset. Remember, it's a Japanese company. Do you think Nintendo will ever release any of its first party games on Steam? No. <laughs> no. 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 Of course not. Um, but I mean, I don't know that. Speaking I, of I which, just, yeah. Speaking of which, there's been a lot of talk lately, and maybe, TJ, you can talk about this, about how it's the sixth year for the Switch, and there should be a new SKU coming out for it at some point, because it's about time. Because hmm. there's been a lot of talk about it, and the one thing that I think that a new SKU could use is a hard drive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, CES is right around the corner, isn't it? So I guess we'll see what what shows up there. Because here's the problem. Uh, people really don't care about the graph graphical power. Oh, but that's another thing is that um, there was a lot of showing off of Breath of the Wild 2, and there was fog beyond fog because the Switch really cannot handle it. So they have a lot of choices all bad. Either it looks exa- – and Bayonetta 3 looks like an Xbox 360 game. And a lot of yeah. this – a lot of this is because they can't store that much on the on the Switch. Either you have to stream it. Or you have to have keep buying uh, cards like there's nothing else, you know, SD cards. At some point, they're gonna have to bite the bullet and just get a real hard drive for the for the Switch. Yeah, they're that's the yeah. <laughs> they were still running a super old cell phone processor that basically had and what only like four gigabytes of memory. I don't know something like that. I haven't looked at the specific uh, specs of the Switch. And. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense that games like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet would run like utter trash when you look at the <laughs> where we're at right now. Like, they're people are developers are still trying to make better games, and like I think games like Xenoblade Chronicles Three are a great example of like you can still push the Nintendo Switch to its limits, but there are limits, and they have to work within those confines. I. I long for a Nintendo era someday where, like, they actually have a decent, like, they put out new hardware that doesn't confine their developers to try to work within the restrictions of that hardware. And again, here's the thing. Graphics are fine, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about content right now. And you're restrained with content. A lot of content, you can can compress it just so far. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Get a move on, Nintendo. Come on. <laughs> you must have something to say about it. I, I think uh, Bowser had uh, 
issued a statement. I don't know if it was this year or last year. <laughs> you, know what? you just you just made me think of Bowser as in Mario's Bowser coming out and issuing a statement. This giant green dinosaur coming out with in a suit with a piece of paper and saying, we are I mean, a Nintendo. Name. I know, but it's just... It's, it's, TJ, wasn't that the first thing that came to your head? That Bowser Bowser is going to come out and give a statement? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> For some reason, that's what came out of my head. Even though I know John, uh, is it John Bowser? I, I forgot. That was Eric Bowser. Eric Bowser. Yeah, I, I know that it's his name, but still, <laughs> having Doug Bowser, Bowser. Doug, Doug Bowser, Bowser. Doug, Bowser. Doug, Doug Bowser coming out to make a statement. I was thinking of Bowser coming out to make a statement. Yeah, I, I'm sure they all are aware. <laughs> I'm sure they're very aware of that. And uh, but um, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't help but imagine Bowser when you hear the name. Uh, the Doug Bowser, but it's like I, I remember him issuing a statement saying that Nintendo, it, their priority isn't so much hardware, but I guess the game experience and that they're not as concerned about uh, having the latest and greatest uh, console you hey, know, specs Doug, like buddy. PlayStation or Xbox. Doug, buddy, the gameplay experience is being affected now. <laughs> And what's funny is that, you know, Nintendo was the first to really push this uh, hardware with it. You know, compare the Nintendo with the Super Nintendo, you know, and um, imagine what the Nintendo 64 could have done had it been on a CD instead of a instead of a cartridge. Yeah, there's a parallel universe where that exists. (laughs) But Nintendo wanted to have licensing on the cartridge. And then when the Wii came out, they didn't want to have it on a uh, on a regular CD, so they wanted to still be able to license things, so they put it on these mini CDs. And guess what happened to those little mini CDs? Yeah, you couldn't put as much content on the game, which held it back. And Capcom decided, you know what, we're just going to release Resident Evil 4 on the PlayStation. What are you going to do about it, Nintendo? Yep. It's been a wild year in technology, as far as like what folks have done with... As far as what we're seeing out of the... Out of, games and the way that they're handling on the new systems as well as like these cards and it just feels like Nintendo is like still sitting there with their with the OLED being the best option you have and I'm like I'm starving I'm starving for new to new Nintendo technology and again here's the thing it doesn't even have to be better graphics it just has to be a hard drive that you can store stuff on mm-hmm I mean, Nintendo. You know what? You know what'll help people buy your uh, games off the eShop? A larger, uh, a larger hard drive. I mean, people were complaining about the one terabyte drives that the PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X came with, because they said those are going to fill up too quick, and so Xbox and PlayStation had to have these ports in which you could shove, um, you know, your own external hard drive so you can handle more content if you needed to. So time will tell. I feel like I feel like especially with Zelda coming, because I feel like the new Zelda was delayed for this long because they had to figure out how to fit it onto uh, the Switch, and it's not happening. I, ha- I have to wonder if we'll finally. I mean, with it set to come out in May of next year, I feel. Well, let's like- face it; it's not coming out in May. It's not. You don't think so? No, no. It's going to be pushed all the way to November. In time for the holiday season, and perhaps, perhaps even be a launch title for the new Switch. Who knows? That's what I felt like: is that they'll release it on Switch, it'll be okay, and then they'll release a new version of the Switch with an enhanced version of the game. I don't know. 
maybe. Uh, we'll see. There's, you know, there's a lot of Breath of the Wild fans. Yes, there are. Except for me. I think it sucks. <laughs> I'm kidding. I haven't played it, so... <laughs> I mean, um, the entire idea of having an open-world game, but without a map that's peppered with icons, and it's basically, you see that over there? Go over there. If you can see it, go to it. That's something yeah. that's missing from a lot of open-world games. Just just look at it and go for it. And ironically, the one game that did that was Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like that exact, that exact thing about uh, Horizon Forbidden West right now. That world is fun to be in and very beautiful. Anyways, I know, look, a lot of, I know a lot of people also feel that way about Halo Infinite's single-player campaign. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful game. I think it hasn't gone back to it yet, but I love the story. I, I, most of the complaints about Halo have been about the uh, the multiplayer, which I always say, eh, multiplayer gamers are always complaining. Look at Call of Duty. Yeah. They're always complaining. You know, everybody, uh, uh, they overpowered the shoddy. What a, you know, it's like, come on. Still a gorgeous, Still a gorgeous open-world shooter, though. You know what, though? Um, uh, with Forge coming out, uh, people are really excited because they've been seeing some of the preview stuff that some of the fans have been making with, with Forge. And Forge was a real uh, jumpstart to, I believe it was Halo Reach that had the, was the first Forge. Was it Halo 3 or Reach that first had the Forge? I think it was Halo 3. But... Yeah. Well, when the Forge first came out, it was like Panacea in Halo Land. You know, it's like oh, these fans came out with all these great levels and stuff like that. And that's probably what's going to happen with Halo Infinite. Because as much as Halo fans like to bitch and moan and complain about 343 Studios, they still love Halo. And they just, uh, you know, they just want to see perfection. And perfection is hard. Yeah, for sure. And now uh, Bungie's going to release uh, Balo Beach for a new PlayStation. <laughs> oh, God, can you imagine if they, they started making uh, marathon games for the PlayStation? Or did Microsoft buy that buy the license to Marathon? Anyways, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback, so leave us comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to the iTunes. Leave us iTunes comments. You can still find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. Find me at Charter Moore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.